Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm your host. I'm an intuitive human design reader, a certified professional coach, and an instigator of joy. And happy 2020. This is the second episode of this year, but the first intro I'm recording in 2020. And how does this year feel to you so far? I'm already feeling the energy is a little different. If you haven't already listened to my episode with Anahata Ananda, I highly recommend it. She talks about how we're going through the eye of the needle in 2020. 2019 was super intense. We had to shed all the shit that we can't take with us going through the eye of the needle in 2020. So that'll help you get a feel for what this glorious 366 day year has in store for us. Now, a little catch up from me. So as I said, I'm recording this in 2020 and I'm just kind of stepping back into the internet. I'm not going to say into social media or into a relationship with my phone because I think those two things get a lot of the blame when it comes to our internet addiction. And that's, I really don't think that's like the issue. It's our addiction to email, to social media, to being attached, to being connected, to not being present with our current environment. So I took a little break from the internet over the holidays. And for me, that break did include swooping in like supermarket sweep style every once in a while, spending like five minutes online just to make sure there wasn't anything absolutely urgent or to order a last minute Christmas present because I still do very much see the value of an extreme convenience of this wonderful invention that connects us all. And here's what I noticed in that time. I never got bored. Not once. You know, before before I did this experiment, I would feel myself get bored even between intervals on the bike. If I had like a three minute rest interval to just spin easy, I might check my email or check social media. No, as soon as I took some space from the internet, I never did that. And it wasn't because I was super busy. It was, it was different. It was because I created space in my head. I even found extreme joy in staring at the ceiling. Um, <laughs> and the another thing I noticed is I got better at waiting. Instead of hearing, okay, something's going to take five minutes and looking to see what I could squeeze in in that five minute period, I simply waited. I didn't get angry. I didn't get frustrated. I didn't wish I'd had more notice so I could have gotten something done in this time. No, I simply waited calmly, peacefully, and presently. I don't know what this means solidly for my relationship with the internet going forward, but I do know that it's going to be more conscious. And I do know that I am so grateful for this experience. And just to, to take you through, it wasn't super easy for me. I went through, so at the beginning, I didn't lock my phone in a drawer or anything like that. I simply made a decision. And that's something that shows up in our human design charts. For some people, when you want to break a habit, when you want to break an addiction, whether it's from like sugar or, or the internet, say you lock your phone in a cabinet or have a friend hide it or get all the sugar out of the house. 
And my design doesn't say I need that. That doesn't free up my energy. Instead, for me, it's making a decision that I simply don't want to interact with something. So at the beginning, oh, I felt FOMO. I was like, what am I missing? What do I need to go in and see? And, and it was a practice of, nah, I don't need to do that right now. And then there was the feeling of shoulds, of like, oh God, I should go on and post something. I should go and respond to any comments or anywhere that anyone has tagged me. I should do this, should, 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 should. I should show up. And then that passed. And then I reached this state of annoyance. I got super, super, super annoyed with everything online. And uh, my, my annoyance, I found it incredibly amusing because it was like a new thing every day that I would be annoyed of, about the lack mindset that just permeates the internet. Oh, I, that'll be a whole nother intro episode for y'all. But so I was super annoyed by everything. And then I got to the point where I kind of forgot that the internet existed. I would, I would literally forget that I had email or social media accounts and be like, oh, look at that. I didn't check at all. I didn't even think of checking for the last two days. Huh, interesting. And just now I'm starting to get to the point of, oh, you know what? There's this really cool thing that we've got access to right now. It's called the internet. And it's a great way to reach lots of people and really get your message out and connect with so many amazing people. So that was a process for me. <sighs> you know, it just feels really good. And I hope this is the way that 2020 continues to feel. Now, let me get out of the way and tell you about this week's conversation. It's with Emil Eckfert. When he was 25 years old, he made over a million pounds pursuing his online passion, playing online poker. He had more financial success than most people he knew. Still, life outside of poker didn't feel very joyful. He had given all of his attention to mastering the game and zero focus on developing any other life skills that create a happy life. Today, he's working with the charity great.com as a business developer and a podcast host. And the rest of his time, he spends figuring out how to live a healthier and more exciting life so he can inspire others to find their own answers and to find their own awesome. Emil is a cool guy, and I hope you guys enjoy this conversation again to a glorious 2020. Go forth and be awesome. Emil, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Let's start out with your story. Just mm. explain to us where you are, where you came from, what happened in between. <laughs> in that order? <laughs> no, you can choose the order. Okay. So let's start in the beginning. And before I do, I must say, I really appreciate the name of your show finding your awesome because i've had team throughout my lives where sometimes i've had something that i'm truly passionate about and that i care about and that then my life has been so awesome i think about that every day and then i feel so good 
And then I've had time in between those passion projects. And those are the times in my life where I really felt like something was missing. So when I was a kid, I... Wait, wait hold on. Because yes. now I want to talk about that. I love that you're stopping me. I this find so much fun. magic. Yeah, we're, not gonna, <laughs> we're never going to get to your story. Um, okay. <laughs> I find so much magic in the in-between. There, that what do you like space, about it? When we, when we know that we're in the in-between, like things aren't flowing, we're not like super on top of our game, but when we can feel something brewing, do you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Like you feel something brewing, but you can't see it yet. It's taken me years of practice of knowing that feeling to be like, oh, this is really exciting. Something's mm-hmm. coming. It's big. I have no idea what it is, but I, I trust that it's coming. Mm. That's what the in-between is for me. Mm. So that state would be kind of like spring in your life then. Yeah. I think the state that I have found painful is when I'm, have you ever been on a project that is past its due date? You thought it was so exciting when you began, but now you're kind of in that phase where mm, I think it's time for this to end. Yeah. And those are times in my life where I really felt like something is missing. I'm just doing something because I'm used to it. And I'm not yet in the place where I have created space in my life to sue something new that I'm excited that it's growing deep it's down so in earth. It's so key that you said you haven't yet made space. Yeah. Because that's what it is. We drag ourselves. I mean, before we hit record, I was telling you all the different things I did before becoming a coach. And I remember when I was still personal training and was dragging myself to my client sessions. And that's when I knew it was time. Time is up. When I was a triathlon coach, I started dreading Sunday nights. That's when I would load all the new weekly workouts in for my clients. Mm-hmm. I kind of loved it in between. I loved the interaction with my clients, but the workout creation, oh, that felt heavy and hard for me. So mm. I let it go. Mm. So you let one part of your passion go, mm-hmm. but you kept the stuff that was fun to you. Yeah. So the, oh, wow. The part that I'm interacting with the clients. Yeah. That's still going to stick around as I step more fully into confidence coaching. So yeah, that's what I need to do now. So what did you replace it with? I just became full-time in my confidence coaching business. So how much time do you have in your life for absolute emptiness? Nothing planned on the schedule. Do you plan being bored? I do. Well, I don't know. Mm. No, let me rephrase that. I don't plan being bored. But my favorite day is a white space day. Do you have a white space day? Yeah, like a day when I'm like, oh my God, I've got nothing on my schedule. Wow. So what do you do then? Um, if it's a no training day, which is mm-hmm. really rare, mm-hmm. um, I'll usually get out in nature. Mm, nice. That's my go-to. That's my go-to. Get to the beach if possible. I've never, I don't, um, I don't remember being bored ever. Maybe. Cause I don't find quiet boring. Mm. I don't know. What's your relationship with boredom? I don't find quiet boring either. It's one of my favorite times. So in the idea world where unicorns and rainbows exist, I have one evening per night that I have flight mode 
and I just do absolutely nothing. I can sit in a chair staring at a wall for two hours. <laughs> and I so enjoy that. And my weakness in life, though, is that I'm a... No, it's actually my strength. I'm a very optimistic person. Unfortunately, it includes time, meaning that I often get too many things on my schedule. And those are unfortunately the spaces in my life that suffers. I feel like I used to do that. And it was, it was an epiphany for me to start owning the fact that I didn't want as much stuff on my schedule to start. Mm. It's like as though when somebody asked me to schedule something, it's as though I felt like they could see my calendar and see that I was cheating when I said I was full that day. But like, really, I only have one other thing on my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started owning that. Uh-uh. I need more space. That was a game changer for me. Mm. I like that. So you have planned in your space, in your schedule, but then, you know, this is in the idea world again, at least in my life, where the unicorns and the rainbows live. Then stuff happens. All of a sudden you get a week where you have so much that you have to do in your calendar. And I find myself stressed when that happened. And I'm thinking, fuck, I can't. May I swear? Yes. I'm not going to swear. You can, please. It's encouraged. You can drop them all right here, right now. Mm. <laughs> My Swedish genes are holding me back. Okay. I'm forced to be polite. You can also swear in Swedish. We'd love to learn. Okay. (laughs) English is so much cooler. I just started speaking only English with my roommate. He's also Swedish. Really enjoy that. You guys all learn English really early, right? We have to, because nothing is translated, movies and stuff. So I learned most of my English from watching TV series and playing computer games. Oh. Now, imagine you're, so to tie back, imagine now you're in this situation where you have so much on your schedule. At least I feel like I can't relax while this is going on anyway. So I might just bam, 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 get it off my schedule. And then in my imagination, I can relax and go Mm -hmm. to unicorn land. So how do you deal with that? I don't let that happen. Mm. Now. I'm so experienced. So much yeah. wisdom. I, yeah. Yeah, this is the wisdom. The so wisdom how can of you like, get someone like me that is clearly <laughs> have no clue what I'm doing? How can you get me to where you are? You know, one of the things that helped me early on was this is like right when I finished coaching school. And I had this old belief that I had to work like eight to five or nine to five. Mm-hmm. And so I would finish my workout at the Y and I'd try to leave, but I knew so many people there that they always want to talk to me. And I'd get home like an hour later than I wanted to every single time. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to my coach about this and she was like, you know, you're working then. And I was like, what? She's like, it's your work. It's your, you're creating raving fans of you. You're, you're developing your relationships everything you do counts. And then she was like, she asked me what my work hours were. And I was like, well, I guess like nine to five, but I never actually make it. And she was like, when do you really want to work? When do you actually want to start working? And that's when I started, I I set my schedule to be like two to six, I think. Hmm. Those are the only times between those hours, that's the only time I do client calls. 
It's the only time I do podcast interviews. That's it. I, I, they're my rules, so I can break them whenever I want. Mm. But that for me is what really helped me open up space. I also, and then add to it recently, I learned that um, through human design, I, my type gets, I go deep with people really fast. I go deep, we get deeply connected and it's amazing and it's energetically expensive. So expensive. yeah, like I'm, I'm exhausted afterwards. Hmm. I'll be like, that, okay. And now I'm done with people. Is that because you are, you have an introverted side of your personality that needs no. to be charged or no, how come you get this exhausted? is the interesting part. I'm an extrovert. I love people. Like I get so much energy from engaging with somebody, uh-huh. but then it's like, if I've done, because I go so deep, if I've done, too much of it in one day i have no words at the end of the day Mm. i still need that recharge time Hmm. i always looked at myself as an introvert and now i become more i'm extroverted but i think i'm actually i got both in me but i need i need both at the extremes i don't like just hanging out with people uh, watching tv or something like that i don't want to be super engaged or home in my chair staring at the wall i'm the same way i think we're officially called ambiverts ambiverts yeah we're both Mm. extrovert and introvert yeah so how much of that do you think it is because you're spending your energy on the other person or is it because you kind of take on their things and you have to reflect a lot about what they're going through do do you like absorb their energy or yeah is it it your focus that makes you exhausted that's such a good question. I think it's the focus. I think it's yeah. the deep dive. I think it's like the deep presence. The what's called in human design penetrating energy. Mm-hmm. Like we just go like there's no shallow end in this pool. Mm. We just go deep. Mm. When did your interest to go deep with people start? <laughs> um, always. Always. Yeah. How about you? Not always at all. No, I was really bad at it when I was, I didn't know how to do it at all. When I was Did a kid. you enjoy the surface conversations? I don't think I had any tools for or understood the benefit of doing something differently. So I just did what everyone else did. And when I was a kid, you know, my first interest was uh, sports, my first big interest. And then my second big interest was to play poker professionally. And both of those are, they're not social. Sports could be, but to me, it was mostly uh, a single person game. How did you learn to play poker? When I was um, 16, there was a poker boom in the world because uh, poker came to the internet and uh, poker was started to be sent on television. So in Sweden at least, and I think in your country as well, everybody started playing. Everybody thought that they were good. Everybody thought that they could win. So I was 16 and I started playing with some friends at the home game with real cards just for fun. And I always won their money. And uh, for some weird reason, they had this bad habit of, not wanting to play with me anymore because I mostly won. 
So I had to look out in the horizon for a place where there was action 24-7 because I wanted to play all the time. I instantly fell in love with this game. There was a combination of everything that I was good at. So when I was 17, the only thing I wished for as a birthday present was money from my mom to play with online because I was underage. So she gave me $30 to play for and everything I own today, my apartment is uh, made from those $30. Did you pay your mom back the $30? That was a present. (laughs) (laughs) So wait, were you, was it legal for you to be playing? Not when I was not when I was seventeen. And how old were you when you made all the money? I started making money when I was. I started making really good money for compared to people around me when I was eighteen, and I won the most between maybe eighteen and twenty-three, and then the poker market started to get a lot worse, and I started to change direction. So, what was it like winning all that money? I actually never thought of it as money. So I remember uh, when I was 17, I had, I, I had maybe won $2,000. And uh, I told that to a girl in school and she said, did you win $2,000 playing an online game? You know, back in the times where people had $10 to the name. You have $2,000? What are you gonna buy all these clothes or a new gadget? Oh yes, I couldn't understand that. I'm gonna play poker for this money. Okay, I'm not gonna take it out of course not and I loved the game more than anything I had ever experienced it was this perfect combination of math psychology um, strategy it was fast-paced it was everything I was good at and I, I couldn't stop thinking about it so I was thinking of poker every waking minute every day and I what I wanted to use the money for was to move up in stakes, play against better and better opponents, see how strong am I, how far can I take this? I want to play against the best players in the world. And then what happened? I did. And you beat them? Not the best ones. So I found my limits. So if, do you know anything about soccer? Maybe your listeners does. Okay, so if I would compare myself when I was the best to the best players in the world, if the best team in the world is Barcelona, for example, I would say I was like a top French team. So not at all as good as them, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they wouldn't crush me with 8-0 either, most of the time. So are you still playing playing poker now? (laughs) No. I stopped playing completely a year ago and I stopped losing my passion for it five years ago. What did that feel like losing your passion for it? It was fine at first um, because I, so I was playing insane amounts. I was playing for over 12 hours per day on average every day per week for seven years in a row because I knew when I was 17 that okay I'm actually stumbled upon a place where I can make a lot of money right now and I don't think this is going to last forever 
I think things are going to happen to the market. I think that players are going to become so good that I didn't think this was even going to be possible for five years. So I said, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to look back and say that I could not have done this any better. And that is pretty much what happened. So about seven years in, the poker market had become so much worse that I thought, okay, I can take a break because I hadn't taken a two-week break in seven years. And I had become very good at the game and at the same time, extremely bad at everything else that makes up uh, a happy life. My, I had no clue of how to connect deeply with people, build relationships. I had no ideas how to, my mental health was really bad. I was completely disconnected from all of my emotions because the game was so painful. I could lose a lot of money in a day or over months that I had to completely, I thought I had to completely shut off my emotions to be able to deal with that. So I had become very numb, like a robot. And that made me depressed. I was together with a girl for six years. She broke up with me. And uh, I knew that I had to start looking at those things. Look at health. My health wasn't good. So how did you... How did you like start from zero to build yourself up to where you are today? So all of those other things just started to put more and more pressure on me unless I, until a point where I felt like, okay, I have to take a break and look at those things. So I decided to book a trip to the US. So I booked a trip. I went on my own. I did a road trip for three months. And after that, I moved to Berlin and I lived there for a year. And during that time, I didn't play. I didn't work. The only thing I did was to make up for everything that I lost because I pretty much sacrificed my whole youth to pursue this passion. So during that time, I only read books about uh, spirituality, emotional health, mental health, physical health, and was being super social with uh, going out a lot on my own, meeting people, practicing that. What was it like at first? Like, what did you, how did you learn? How did you learn how to connect with humans again? I can't pinpoint it to one thing, but my, I have a very strong desire in me to get better. And when I was a teenager, 99.9% of that was focused into poker. And now when I realized um, there is really something missing in the way I'm interacting with people, born inside me was a desire to figure this out. So I read books. I went out a lot. I was constantly thinking in my social circles, what is going on here? I was looking for people that had the same interest. I started diving deep in communication. I... Yeah, I was looking for, for people that wanted the same thing. They wanted to learn, improve, understand it. Did you find them? Yes, I did. How did you find them? And I'm asking I, this because I, I know there are a lot of people out there. I just moved to a new place a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, still trying to find my people here. How do we find our people? I think a good place to find people 
that are passionate about something is to go to any place where people go voluntarily and they spend their free time. So I went to a speaking club in Stockholm. It's called Toastmasters. And that is in every city in the world. But it could be any place where people, it could be a photo- photography course or, you know, whatever. Where people do, they go there, sacrifice their free time to improve at something. Those people are usually great. Now you go in there and you find someone that looks interesting to you, someone that sticks out, someone that lights up in your consciousness. And you go up and you talk to them and you think, what does this person want and how can I add value to them? And you start building relationships. See, when you talk about somebody who lights up your consciousness, is that a sensation that you feel or you see? What does it feel like for you to be like drawn to another human? (laughs) This autumn, something has really put this share on top of my life here on earth. I met a woman and I feel I'm in love with her. I feel it's like I'm in ecstasy feeling right now because of this person. It's three months in. And when I met her, I was in a club in Stockholm and I came in there and she was to the right of me. And when I got in there, she lit up in my world. It was almost like there was a spotlight on her and I knew I had to go and talk with her. She was gorgeous, like long black hair, see-through top and a long, um, long skirt high heels red lipstick she's brazilian so gorgeous and and she was standing there with a guy and they were hugging i'm like oh no she's here with a boyfriend but still i knew that i had to talk with her even if it's i don't do that so often but i thought even if there's one one percent chance that something could happen i still want to go and talk with her because i had that feeling that i should and uh so later she was next to me and I looked at this guy that she was with and wait, I recognize him. Then two weeks earlier, he had come up to me at another party in Stockholm, giving me loads of compliments, super happy, super intoxicated. And most important of all, super gay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so who are you here with? <laughs> so but have you but that, ho- that happens to me often. Actually, yeah, it many of like- my close friends, when I met them, it's like there's a white light around them. I know that this, this person has attraction to me. So uh, those people are out there. And I think places where people go voluntarily is a good place to start. So it sounds like you're super intuitive. Is this, is this same ability to see that bright light around people the same thing that made you really good at poker i i'm not sure i think something i always had going for me in the game is that i had a feeling for the game and but at the same time i really shut off emotionally and that was really difficult to change because early when I started playing. When I was 18, I started to win or lose twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 every single day I played. And when you have many, many days in a row where you lose a lot of money, it's super painful when you're not trained to deal with that. I was not trained. I had no one around me to support me. 
and the feelings of going tr through those difficult per periods when you play it's it's one of the most if not the most difficult thing that i had to do it's so painful so the way i was dealing with that was to shut off everything i didn't celebrate when i was winning because that would make me more sad when i lost so i became like a robot and was super logical i just ignored my emotional guidance system all the time so i think playing poker was it was very bad for my intuition i had to start open up again and it was a very long process what was the do you remember what the first step was to start opening it up again the first step for me that got me interested in spirituality because i never read anything like that before um my parents are not atheist but they're agnostic they don't mm -hmm. believe in really anything and that was i read the eckhart tolle the power of now and i was so unconscious that i hadn't everything in that book was completely new to me and when i opened i read the first page like the hair on my back stood up and i saw is there a voice in my head that isn't me that is speaking and is saying all these negative things and repetitive messages that is not only unnecessary but it's actually hurting me and i saw that wow 99 percent of the thoughts that i'm thinking are not that good for me and I got to see, I got separated from the thinker. And that was when I was 24, 25. So how did you find your way quite to recent. Hmm. I don't remember that. I think I got it from my mom, actually. She started her spiritual journey at the same time as I did. Well, that's really cool. Yes. Do you guys talk about it? We do talk about it. And she's fantastic at talking about it and also at triggering me so she was <laughs> no one has triggered my pain body more than her of course because of our relation so yeah i think i realized then that how emotionally unaware i was and emotionally unconscious so i began a process of understanding what i was feeling and what made you what, want to like for a lot of people, when they're in that place of unconsciousness, mm -hmm. they're there, as you said, so you don't feel the feelings. Mm -hmm. You don't let yourself feel the joy because then the pain is going to hurt so much more. Mm -hmm. It can be really hard after, it, it, you know, numbing yourself, keeping yourself in this like really narrow emotional range for so long. Mm -hmm. It can be so scary to start to expand that. Mm. What gave you the courage to do it? To me, it wasn't so much courage as not seeing a point to it. Because from my perspective, the only thing that was important for me was poker. And then I started losing my health. I started into losing emotions. I started into losing relationships. But I thought at least as long as the poker is going good and I can make money, I can deal with all of that stuff later. And then I started, I had a period where I didn't leave my house for three days. I just played all the time. And I, 99% of my focus was into the game. And I just lost and lost and lost and lost and lost for three games. And I became so, I so strongly felt like something was missing. And I became so depressed from it that 
at the end of it, I, I remember I was Googling how to be happy because I hadn't felt a positive emotion in three months. So it was more, not that I was afraid of it. I just didn't see the purpose of studying it until it became so, so bad that I couldn't ignore it. All right. So for anyone who can't feel your energy now, let me describe it for them. For somebody who is Googling how to be happy, your energy feels like bubbles, like in carbonated water. It feels like joy. So how do you go from Googling how to be happy to being joy? That's a beautiful description. Do you think those bubbles are always there? I believe that joy is our natural state. I've used that exact sentence. I really like that. And I believe we forget that. Mm. So yeah, I think the reason I felt like something was missing is that none of these bubbles reached the surface. There was just too much things in the way that I hadn't been looking at. If you were in my situation, you have no idea about health, you are unconscious about uh, emotional health, how your psyche works, your relationships are failing, where would you begin? How would you deal? Yeah, that's why I have a question. Where would you where would you start? If someone came in to you as a coaching client in that state, oh, I think I would start by getting them in their body. Yeah, whatever that would mean for them, asking them to maybe feel their toes one at a time. Yeah, that was huge for me with Eckhart Tolle because he said when you're in an elevator. Don't think about poker. Instead, feel how your finger feels when you press the elevator. And I was like, this is so brilliant. It's, it's a one of my favorites. Could you explain? That, that wasn't a good example for someone that is not into this teaching. So would you like to explain this in a simpler way so someone can see the purpose of it? Yeah, go ahead. No, I was asking you. <laughs> um, I think... Can we be, well, yeah, let's, let's explore a different question, actually. Can we feel joy when we're not in our body? If we don't feel our body, are we able to feel joy? So could you elaborate on what it means to be in your body? Does it mean mm-hmm. to have your focus on your body? Yeah, we spend so much time in our heads letting our our thoughts are spinning ahead and ahead. Mm-hmm. Like we're planning, planning, planning. We're making stories up. Um, so being in your body is getting out of there, getting out of the swirl and feeling, feeling what your body is doing right this second. Mm. As you're sitting, what shape is your body in? What is your body doing all by itself? Hmm. what how and then what is what are you doing consciously how are you consciously moving your body maybe you're squirming in your chair or whatever that's that's what i do i have Hmm. a chair with wheels so i'm always moving it um so what if you're in someone that is in a position where um maybe you have a lot of pain in your body or your whole system is so stressed by the overthinking and the pressure that there's a lot of adrenaline, your breathing doesn't feel so nice, 
maybe have pain somewhere. How do you get into your body then? So I just did an experiment where I, I, I'm dealing with nerve pain in my heel right now. And I had the approval of my physical therapist to run in a race. He said I wasn't going to do any damage so I could still run as long as I could handle the pain. So I happen to have just done a massive experiment on pain. And I don't want to call it pain management. It's just a pain experiment. Mm-hmm. And pain, even when it feels like it's there all the time, when we really lean into it, we notice that it fluctuates a little bit. Sometimes it might feel like a burning. Sometimes it feels like an ache. Oh, for a split second there, it wasn't there. Mm. And really, so I would actually start with having the person lean into the pain first. Mm. Let's explore it. Mm. What was your experience with first getting into your body? Was it pushing that elevator button? I think it was the realization that I cannot focus on something like my finger or my breath and have a thought at the exact same moment. And I started having the experience and I got inspired to explore it in that book that if you have fewer thoughts and more space between the thoughts, the quality of your thoughts will be bigger and uh, you get access to your intuition. Insights can drop in. So I started getting really curious about that and started to um, explore how I can use my focus to create more and more of that space between the thoughts. And I use my breath a lot to do it. So I'd say meditation for me. When I started, sitting still for 10 minutes was so dreadful. It was such a pain. I couldn't do it. I had to force myself for the first 10 sessions. Mm-hmm. Now I love it. Sitting in meditation is one of my most pleasurable experiences. But it took time to get there. Yeah, I remember I used to fall asleep for all the 20-minute sessions. I did 10 days of 20-minute sessions, and I fell asleep every single time. It was a great mm. nap. Mm. Now I'm really excited. If I have time to squeeze in 20 minutes or more, mm. I'm ecstatic. Mm. So back to the space between, which actually circles back to the start of our conversation. But one of the things I love to explore is not just the space between the thoughts, but the space between the breaths. Mm. Like we, we exhale and then there's a pause. And then we inhale and then there's a pause. And in that space between exhale and inhale in between the inhale and exhale, there's space there too. Mm. And I think just like the intuition can drop in, in the space between the thoughts, I think the magic drops in, in the space between the breaths Mm. when we let it. And what magic is dropping in for you? Is it intuitions or is it a feeling of peace and stillness? For me, sometimes it's intuition. Sometimes it's um, connection with the divine. Sometimes it's just... I'm going to go with peace and stillness, but I don't think those words really 
do a good job of explaining mm. it. I feel like I need a German word mm. because the Germans do really well with words for stuff mm. like that. They do. How about you? What comes in in the space between for you? This question. Have you always believed in God or a connection with the universe? Oh, no. No. Have you? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. So do you do now? Yes. Mm. And yeah. Was that a big life-changing realization that got you there? Or has it been a progressional increase in awareness and understanding? It's been a progressive increase for me. How about you? Mm. Was there a light bulb moment? Mm. No, a progression for me. So <clears throat> let's say someone doesn't believe in, in God or some higher power. What would you say would be the benefit of doing it? Like, how is it, is it adding value to your life somehow? And what value would that be? Is what, is meditation adding value to your life? Or is believing yeah, but, God in the universe adding value to your life? <clears throat> so meditation can, can be done. I see it as a spiritual practice, but it can also be a pretty straightforward practice to increase focus or increase yeah. emotional health. So that for me doesn't have to be connected. So does believing <clears throat> in the power of the universe, like yes. what's the benefit of it? I don't know, but I love mm. that question. Do you have an answer for it? I have my answer. What is it? That is, I feel like there's more magic in my life when I mm. choose that perspective. When I choose, because I can either choose to look at it as if nothing is magic or is everything is magic. And by magic, I mean, I view situations as if they are orchestrated by an intelligent force that has a plan for my life. So then when something happens, anything between great and shitty, I ask myself, why is this being brought into my life? What can I learn from this experience or this theme? I don't have to like what is happening, but can I respect that is happening as a part of something bigger? And I feel asking those questions and having, it's giving me more opportunity to learn and having the trust that it's happening is making me feel more safe in my life right now. And I see more of a sense of wonder. And this might be completely false. I might be at the end of my life being turned into just worms or whatever, but at least I had a fun time there. So exactly. I'm, I'm happy if I'm delusional, I'm, I'm happy being there. I found you that just, I enjoy my life more. You just said it gives you more of a sense of wonder. Yes. And that that resonates with me so much i just realized i was just able to put it in words like this year mm -hmm. that the feeling of awe is really important to me so the find your awesome podcast awesome yes. isn't just fantastic and wonderful it's mm. also filled with awe mm. i like that i'm gonna start my find your awful podcast not just some awe full of awe yeah <laughs> <laughs> because every every single minute can be i think when we look at it with a sense of wonder mm. we find the awe i think so too and for me a part of that that is so important is that i don't even though i 
I can understand that there's a sense of, or I choose to believe that there's a sense of wonder in this. I still want to be very real. I don't want to pretend that I like something. I hurt my foot. Oh, great. This was orchestrated by the universe. No, I think I'm still entitled to my experiences. I allow myself to think, think that things sucks and I don't like it and I wish it was any other way. But I can still kind of accept it behind. I can, I can give love to the one that is going through experiences, but I don't have to like it. I, I think that when I started to believe in these things, I've tried to force myself to appreciate all of my experiences. And it became very fake. It became like this spiritual facade of being, oh, this is so great, when I didn't like it. And I felt like I was losing authenticity. It sounds like what you've discovered is the ability to hold, for instance, joy and sadness at mm. the same time. Yes. Yeah. So when I feel sadness, I ask myself the question, hmm, sadness is here. It's not the favorite guest in my house, but I'm going to treat it as I treat all the other emotions. So stay for as long as you want. Would you like some coffee? You're not my favorite guest, but I'm still going to make sure that you have a experience of me that is as good as possible. How can I be a good host? Mm. That's such a good question. Right? That's such a beautiful invitation. Mm. Emil, I got two, uh, two last questions, mm. which may become Interesting. more. Um, I can't promise. I'm going <laughs> to stop with two. So here's the first one. If you yes. had a billboard, what would it say? It's going to sound super cheesy, but I would write, I love you. If I had one thing to say, why would I say something else? Mm. That's so perfect. I'm not going to ask you any more questions about that. I'm going to move on to the next question, which is totally different. What's the yes. scariest thing you've ever done? it's i always find it challenging to pick one thing one <clears throat> one scary thing i did was i was a toastmaster at a friend's wedding and this seems like it would be because it's quite easy for me to talk now but when he was asking me i had never stood on a stage ever since like school and that was i was sweaty at the biology lesson and nobody wanted to hear what i was saying and then my friend jay is calling me and saying hey emil i want i'm gonna get married it's gonna be a big wedding in italy in english i want you to be the toastmaster <laughs> what do you say and i'm saying yes of course but inside i'm like oh no i'm never ever 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 gonna be able to do that so that was very scary fortunately i had a year to prepare so that got me started. It got me into speaking clubs. And I met a lot of my friends thanks to that, actually. So I have Jay to thank for a lot. But still, after being in front of a computer for seven years in a row, being a speaker at someone's wedding in my not native language, that was very scary. Yeah. This conversation has been so fun. Thank I had you fun so too. much. How can people learn more about you? connect with you well i have just started a youtube channel yay 
So, hey, go and check out that. It's called uh, What's Missing on YouTube. I just started it, so you're probably not going to find me through search. So the easiest thing would be to either search for my name or go to the domain whatsmissing.com. Awesome. Awesome. Anywhere else? Are you on Instagram? I am. My name. First name, last, last name. Right. At uh, Instagram. Thank you. I could talk with you for 25 hours. This has Thank been so much fun. <clears throat> I, I think your curiosity might be infinite. <laughs> I think so too. Yes. <laughs> there is no bottom to it. No bottom to it. So it makes me eager to share more and I feel very seen. And yeah, I felt like you brought a good side out of me. So I'm very happy to be part of this. I'm very grateful. Oh, thank you so thank much. You. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.